Welcome to the Solid Verbal. The Solid Verbal. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I've heard so many players say, well, I want to be happy. You want to be happy for a day? Eat a steak. It's that woo-woo! And now, Dan and Ty. Welcome back to the Solid Verbal, boys and girls. Ty Hildenbrand here, Dan Rubenstein, all the way over there, all the way down there in beautiful, sunny Southern California. Hello, Dan. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's uh, a little cooler here than it is out there, but not too far apart. Yeah, it's not bathing suit weather out here. It's high 50s, low yeah. 60s, but the sun is out. Um, people seem to be relaxing in a, a post-holiday glaze. Life isn't the worst. Although, as you can testify right now, I have no idea how time zones work. Yes, time zones. And that's still screwing me up because you'll say, hey, can you go at five or six? We're recording this, what, five? It's like 5.50 right now, East Coast time? Thereabouts, yes. Um, and you're like, hey, can you go at five or six? I'm like, great. I will, I'll grab some lunch. I'll watch some NFL games. And I will, I will hop on to discuss some bowl games that are going to happen and that have already happened and some news stories. And then you texted me at 5.15. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm an idiot. I am. It happens am to the best of us. Familiar. Time zones, you know, I've seen so proposals. I've seen proposals to rid the earth of time zones and everyone just used the same 24 hour clock. That wouldn't, that would screw a lot of people in different ways, but I'm for it. Yeah. I like well, wackiness. It might make things a little easier, but hello, Dan. It's good to have you on the line. I'm assuming you're getting ready for the big Rose Bowl on Thursday. Yeah, have my tickets. Real good okay. seats. I'm very excited. Uh, fortunate to have those. So, what will you be wearing to this game, Dan? I'll be wearing an Oregon shirt, probably a hoodie, some jeans, uh, shoes that are comfortable to walk around in. Because I don't, and you haven't been to the Rose Bowl, but the tailgating experience there. There is a, a smaller parking lot and then an enormous golf course. So, I know a number of people going, and that's where they're going to be tailgating. So. You know, pretty straightforward. Nothing crazy. No face paint. Probably okay. not a hat. I was going to ask about the face paint. See if that's something you're into. No, I will not be going that far. But uh, yeah, I got to still have to figure out what we're going to tailgate with food wise. And somebody asked that in the, the Q&A portion of the show. We'll get to that. Um, no, I've just been enjoying life on a giant couch at my parents place, watching a lot of bowl games and just the sun tied, just that sun, just the sun. Well, I'll be yeah. wearing the face paint on Tuesday night for the Franklin American mortgage music city bowl between yes. Notre Dame and LSU. I hope Excuse you will you. as well. Chicken wing eating champion Notre Dame. Do they make a hat for that that you can send me next Christmas? <laughs> if they do, you'll be getting it. Fantastic. Well, yeah, it's good to be with you, Dan. It's good to be with everyone out there. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope you all had a happy uh, holiday season, Merry Christmas, mm -hmm. what have you. Let's talk some news quickly. I don't even need to remind you anymore. Yes. By now, surely, if you're listening to this podcast, you've yeah. heard the news that Jim Harbaugh is reportedly headed to Michigan. Reportedly. Mm -hmm. there yep, are nothing official. Nothing official. There are many credible names reporting mm -hmm. that Jim Harbaugh is set to accept this Michigan deal. We're not going to report it on this show in part because we work in an on-demand world where things could change five minutes from now. This is true. And our podcast would live on the internet in perpetuity. We're going to hold off, wait to see if it becomes official. Let's go over the options just to cover all of our bases. We've done this in the past. Okay. Okay. Take number one. 
Wow. Great hire for Michigan. That, I mean, that seems like there's a huge possibility of him having a lot of success in Ann Arbor. Jim Harbaugh, what a move home run hire. If I am a Michigan fan, I am elated. I think it's a fantastic move. It gives you the highest probability for success moving forward. I think it's a great job. Okay. Next take. Yeah. What's Um, next? What, what are the other options? Even Brian cook didn't know what those were. Jim Harbaugh last second deciding not to sign with Michigan, going with the Raiders, staying with the NFL. I get it from a competitive standpoint wants to, you know, you can't be the best unless you beat the best. Look, if you're going to take over any team in the NFL, if you're really looking for a fixer upper opportunity to return the Raiders to the Super Bowl back to greatness. Yep. That puts you in the conversation with guys like John Madden. Yes. So you might be getting your own bus, Jim Harbaugh. Right. And you have the possibility of moving to Los Angeles. Yes. Which is not the worst place in the world to live if you have a lot of money, uh, which he certainly will have with the Raiders. Yeah, very and good, Chris. Third very good. possibility. Third possibility. Take three. Um, wow. Moving to uh, to Allentown, PA yeah. to coach the Concrete Kids. I Wow. The Northampton, Northampton High. Um, a bit of a fixer upper. Sure. But when you've got that, that Yako's money rolling in, it's hard not to. You, you went the exact same spot with that, that I was going to go. Really? He's going to open up a side Yako's business when he's not coaching the concrete kids. Yeah. You can dollar dollar goes pretty far there in Eastern PA. So I think we got all of our bases covered. There it is. Uh, what else in the, in the, in the realm of news before we get into recaps and previews and Q and A's Pat Narduzzi to Pitt is official official. He has a quote here, which I thought was interesting. I don't think we want to dive too deeply into the Narduzzi news, but he all says Narduzzi all the time, quote, when somebody plays the University of Pittsburgh, they're going to know they were in a brawl. Uh, OK, so there's that. I mean, we could just go with that. It's it's some news to discuss. I did see that our friend Bruce Feldman tweeted out about a possible rift between Kyle Whittingham, head football yeah. coach at Utah and Chris Hill, the athletic director at Utah, apparently over assistant pay. This mm-hmm. is a bit of a bummer if you're it a is. Utah fan, because Utah has definitely been on the rise now. We saw them stumble a bit as they entered into the Pac-12, but sure. had a good season this year, won in resounding fashion a few days ago in their bowl game. Mm-hmm. Kyle Whittingham's a good football coach. We Very are good. a little biased because he's a friend of the show. He was one sure. of our coaching interviews way back when. To lose him, if you are Utah, would definitely be a step down. You have to ask the question, who better could you get than Kyle Whittingham? Because he's this been point as well. Yeah, he's been very, very steady. And now on top of things, if there is a bit of an issue with an athletic director, maybe that's a red mm-hmm. flag to other interested candidates. So if in fact Whittingham is out, that would be a, a bit of a bummer for not only Utah, but I think the Pac-12. Considered to be a one-time Michigan candidate if things were to fall through with some of their their more notable targets. Um, and Whittingham for any job for, for being able to succeed at Utah, which is not in the most talent rich area and going against other schools in the PAC 12 South that certainly have advantages that Utah does not and for him to succeed in the way that he did. And Utah did this year against UCLA and USC. Certainly he would be an attractive candidate to schools across the country, if not schools in the region that he's used to recruiting that sort of West coast mountain area, all that. Um, so that is an interesting development. If, if it's an irreparable rift 
as people are recording, reporting and surprising on a certain level, because it, it appears that so many schools now in conferences that have renegotiated or negotiated new TV deals that are so flush with cash, you see the infusion of coaching talent in the PAC 12, especially. And that's because there's so much money to be spent because of the deal that the PAC 12 has with Fox and ESPN and the big 10 deal obviously has leveled the playing field in schools like Minnesota, Penn state and not that Penn state doesn't have money, but they're able to not just hire coaches, but fill out these staffs with quality assistants that command competitive salaries and Utah, especially with Dennis Erickson and what's his name? Dave Christensen Christensen having just left for Texas A&M. It's difficult to maintain if you can't meet salary requirements, demands, whatever offers that other schools are, are giving, you know, in this case, Texas A&M with Dave Christensen, um, and the SEC money on the table. So it's um, it's a struggle, and that's what we heard Brett Bielema complain about as he left Wisconsin. And I don't know if that was part of any sort of rift, if one occurred between Gary Anderson and Barry Alvarez, but that's the, the amount of money going into the coffers for assistance is certainly an ongoing story that athletic departments are going to have to take care of. Into the coffers, I like Into the it. coffers. You mentioned the SEC. Let's go a bit of a different direction. Yeah. Did you see the news? I did. Actually, you were Maybe. the one who told me about the news. So you <laughs> didn't tell you. You definitely this. saw the news. I didn't even hear about this. We can't until... even pretend to this... have like some sort of like very smooth banter. We really don't. This is all yeah. very raw. Yeah, it's jagged. Baylor and Tennessee. Yeah. We're apparently going to schedule a home and home mm-hmm. and the SEC jumped in and nixed it. That's the report. I really? Think it, it... It was a Baylor site, I believe. It may have been the 24-7 site. I don't have it in front of me. But yes, the, the the word is, the report is that Baylor, and much to their credit, after you know struggling to produce a, a non-conference schedule these past couple of years when they've been in the spotlight, um, had attempted to replace, I want to say, SMU on their schedule with Tennessee, a very notable, if not very good, but a notable opponent that's certainly getting better to, to improve their standing in September, which we've seen to be an important thing. Um, and the SEC stepped in and a- allegedly took it apart and made it not happen. So in cases like this, we should do a, a good job, you and I, of remembering when perhaps we're looking at future schedules of not just Baylor, but any other teams that sometimes attempts are made and you have some cowardly conferences that that jump in, Allegedly. 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 But this is an interesting turn of events. Yeah, As you so know, good for Baylor for trying. Right. Absolutely. Good on Baylor for giving it a go. Baylor fans out there listening, not mm-hmm. only to the show, but to our Twitter feed, I think would be quick to point this out because we've had a lot of fun. We've taken a lot of liberty. Right. With our Baylor jokes this year because of sure. the scheduling. The fact that maybe they gave this one a shot and that the SEC didn't let it go through. That would be. Well, a breath of fresh air for those folks out there, for all the Bears fans that listen and and tweet back would be a bummer, too, because those are two uh, two teams that are obviously uh, notable, both for different reasons. Baylor more recently has been a bit of a titan in the Big 12 and certainly yeah. in the national conversation. And Tennessee is getting there. They're they're probably a year two years away. But I, I'd be scared as hell to play Tennessee, even in 2015. They, they are building something there. Yeah. In Knoxville with Butch Jones. And obviously it's a, a traditional, uh, more of a blue blood program to have those two square off would be a, a pretty cool matchup in September. But, uh, you know, thanks a lot, Mike Slive. 
<laughs> yes, you personally, even though you're retiring. <laughs> thank you for ruining our good football wishes. Somebody's got to be the scapegoat. Why not the That's guy true. retiring? Yeah, that is true. Um, what else? Oh, I do have a list of the, the underclassmen declarations real quick before we get into the recap. Oh, yes. Uh, of, of bowl games that have just happened. Cody Kessler is staying. We saw him play last night in the Holiday Bowl pretty well. USC as, as a whole, just again, not playing full four quarters of football. Duke Johnson's going pro, which I think is a no brainer. Sure. I don't think he has anything left to prove. Uh, Shaq Lawson from Clemson um, appears to be coming back, but. Um, you know, who's to say at this point, I think there's a lot of talent in that Clemson team that would fare very well as underclassmen in the NFL. Leonte Carew didn't have a huge game in their bowl game, the quick lane bowl game for Rutgers, but the receiver is going to be coming back to perhaps increase his draft stock. Gary Nova done at Rutgers, but again, a new Gary Nova will be stepping in next season. Sure. Uh, Max Williams, I think the clear best pass catching target for Minnesota max with two X's in case I didn't pronounce that right. will be declaring that for the draft. I believe these guys still have time to, to go back on it and come back, but he has declared, uh, Jeremiah Putasi, the enormous, I want to say left tackle for Utah. Big dude. He is, he is entering the draft, but he is quite good. Uh, Todd Gurley, not a surprise. He is entering the draft. Um, Shalik Calhoun all signs point to the very productive defensive end for Michigan state entering the draft. Mike Davis, no brainer doesn't have a ton left to prove, even though it didn't have a fantastic season and Farrell Cooper sort of emerged as the go-to playmaker for South Carolina. He's going to the draft. I never fault running backs for, for no. grabbing the money when they play such a position or such a, a dangerous position, play in and play out. Um, Leonard Williams is going back and forth. I can't imagine he's staying at USC. Why would he when, stay at USC when he just looks like a surefire top five pick? He's so good. Um, Shaq Roland, he left the team before their bowl game, but he will be going pro. Uh, Jalen Strong going pro, had a great career at uh, at Arizona State, punctuated with the win that they had over Duke. Um, Landon Collins appears to be, and this is me quoting, uh, a lock to enter the draft after this season and Alabama's playoff run. Jay Ajayi, the power back at Boise State, he's gone and he's fantastic and he's one good. of the more underrated players nationally. Um, couple Mississippi state players are going to announce after their bowl game. I imagine a number will be leaving just because there are so many seniors and upperclassmen on that roster. So this is one to take advantage. Uh, Jordan Jenkins returning to school. I think his ceiling can be extended in the, in a much more upward direction with a year back uh, another year with that Georgia defense. Um, I'm trying to think of other notable names. I believe Dante Fowler has gone from Florida. Eddie Goldman leaning quote strongly. The defensive tackle from Florida state coming back from injury should be okay in the Rose bowl against Oregon, but he's still healing up. And I, I imagine that might be an indicator uh, just that, you know, injuries happen, get money yeah, uh, I, while I, you can. I got to believe he's gone too. Uh, Shaq Thompson at Washington. I I got to imagine he's gone just because of how much Washington loses, but you know, it's a personal decision to everybody. Um, you know, a lot of the people who study these things claim that there will be more underclassmen this year than last year. And really? there were a record number last year. It's a very strong junior and third year class. Of course, Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston appear to be locks to be gone, Yeah, but those are, you know, uh, Jameis is a third year, but uh, has only played two seasons because of a red shirt year. Marcus Mariota fourth year, but he had his own red shirt season. Connor cook is back, which I think you're probably excited about about because you have been a, a fan of his dark horse. Uh, Heisman, so. baby. Dark horse, 2014 Heisman. 
Marcus Peters, who was kicked off of Washington, uh, no surprise, as talented perhaps as any corner in the country, but a number of off-season off-field issues. He will be going into the draft. Um, Andrus Pete, perhaps the best left tackle in the Pac-12 from Stanford, looks like he might be going to the draft, but who knows? Sammy Coates, this was a couple weeks ago, declared maybe as physically talented a receiver not named Amari Cooper, as yeah. we've seen in the SEC, if not college football as a whole. So a number of huge names. A lot of names there. Wow. Should be on draft boards come late April, early May. And one thing that we'll discuss here once we get through recaps, but mm-hmm. Clint Trickett going pro in something other than football. Yeah, that's I hate to hear that kind of stuff. Retiring due to concussions, which is a five concussions, a bummer, big time bummer. Um, we did see one tweet come through saying that it should give his hair, his terrific head of hair, mm-hmm. a little bit more publicity being so he won't have it under a helmet. Equal parts bounce and shine time. He's also from a coaching family. So I think he'll probably mm-hmm. be just fine at the next level, but yep. sad to see things. end like that for Clint Trickett, he won't be playing in the bowl game. Dan, let's get through some recap. Shall we? Let's do it. I don't have a sound for this. Um, here. Okay. Here's what I'm going to do. What do you have sound with? I can create one. Going to play the backdoor cover. Cause there was an incredible yeah. backdoor cover. Did you see the, the backdoor cover? Um, was it central Michigan in the Bahamas oh bowl? God, it was incredible. Yeah. Against, uh, the Hilltop. Western Kentucky against yeah. central Michigan. 49 48 was your final score. Western Kentucky mm-hmm. won by one point. Western Kentucky had this game well in hand. We're not going to do a full deep dive of this one. Right. But very slowly, fourth quarter, Central Michigan eked their way back into it, somehow got the ball back late, threw a Hail Mary, threw a bunch of laterals, got in by some guy diving across the pylon. Triple lateral. Yeah. Triple lateral. They had an opportunity to win this football game by going for two, and they decide to throw a fade. <sighs> the worst. The worst. And yes, fades work if thrown properly and executed properly. But when you, when the degree of difficulty to even score that touchdown is so high yeah. with that play and you follow it up with just like a, like, Oh, let's shoot a half court shot and go backwards to shoot it. That's what it felt like. Um, it can go in it's happened, but let's, let's go with something a little bit more creative, a little more sure. I don't know, but yes, the game was fun. Central Michigan walks away with the very narrow, or excuse me, Western Kentucky yes. walks away with the very narrow victory. Uh, I think the quarterbacks combined for like 12 or 13 touchdown oh, there passes. Was, there in this was game. no defense in this game. 900 and whatever yards. So uh, a fun, like this is what all of these bowl games should be. The less defense in these meaningless exhibitions, the better. It, it was a lot of fun to watch. The reason I yes. played the sound though was because Central Michigan got an incredible backdoor cover. I believe they were about a two and a half point underdog. Really? In that game, yeah. Nice. And the last second touchdown gave them the cover. If you were degenerate enough to be betting the Western Kentucky Central Michigan yeah, Bahamas Bowl, hopefully you sided with the Chippewas of Central Michigan. Yeah, and shout out to our friend Roger Sherman for making the trek to the Bahamas to cover this game. There you go. All right. Yeah. Zaxby's Heart of Dallas Bowl. Oh. It was the day after Christmas, the first game of the day. Mm -hmm. Louisiana Tech 35, Illinois 18. Dan, the game started out exactly as you'd expect in the Zaxby's Heart of Dallas Bowl between Louisiana Tech and Illinois. A botched kickoff. The kicker from Louisiana (laughs) Tech, his plant foot slipped out. The kickoff did not go as expected. Right. Could have gone better for Illinois 
certainly as they got through into the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. Riley O'Toole looked okay. The offense needed to be better at scoring touchdowns instead of field goals. They were in this one until the fourth quarter. That's when Louisiana Tech pulled away. Again, they win 35 to 18 down in the heart of Dallas, Dan. Yeah. Uh, the drive for seven. I feel like we've already discussed this game too much. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> there wasn't too much to this game. Let's talk about my lock of the week. Yeah. Let's talk about the quick lane bowl. <laughs> I hated Rutgers so much. Yeah. That I locked up North Carolina minus three. Your final score here. Rutgers 40 UNC 21. Dan, this one just killed me. This is it why just I killed just, me. I can't bring myself to feel confident in anything before a BCS level or whatever we're calling a playoff level or new year's bowl. It's like, why just confidence in anything just seems weird. I got to believe that I caught whatever kind of bad picking <laughs> bug you've had all year. You got that Ruben stink on you. I, I did. I didn't pick this badly until after I got back from Mexico. Okay. So I don't know if it's some sort of Montezuma situation. It's true with my picks, but I feel like I haven't picked much right since the first week of November. Maybe did you, did you step on any sort of shrine, some Holy ground, something at a temple? I don't know. I jinxed myself somehow. And were you at an Aztec ruin that you'd mistreated? I was at a Mexican water park. Maybe I got bit by a bat or something (laughs) in one of the caves. I don't know. Anyway, game killed me. Rutgers just hammered North Carolina. They were up 23 to nil at halftime. They did it by running 42 times for 340 yards, 8.1 per carry. I've done the math. Mm -hmm. So much for North Carolina getting better, Dan. Well, well, so much for that theory. Their defense was just a total mess in this game. Especially on on the ground. They were real bad. They were real bad. Good on Rutgers here. They blew the doors off North Carolina. They get a win in Detroit in the quick lane bowl. Yeah. This year's Gary Nova, Gary Nova, not a fantastic game, but Rutgers doesn't turn the ball over. The The play calling was, was right on with how North Carolina was unable to stop anything on the ground. Josh Hicks, Robert Martin, very good days. And uh, they were able to pace this game. I, I it was, what was it? 20, 23 to nothing at 23, a certain nothing point at halftime at, at halftime. So the game was never really in doubt. North Carolina just could not get offense going. Marquise Williams did not look good at all in this game, even though he was somewhat efficient. He didn't throw any picks. He just looked confused and unable to get really anything going on the ground, which was a, a bit unexpected. I felt like he would have been able to break a little more against Rutgers, but no, the, the Scarlet Knights uh, acquit themselves very nicely in their their bowl game after their first season, their inaugural season in the yes. Big Ten. And it's a it, it looks to be a positive offseason, uh, if not for the fact that Rutgers athletic department is what it is, which yes. is terrible. Yeah, it's a terrible thing. Yeah. The Bitcoin St. Petersburg Bowl yes. between NC State and UCF. NC State wins 34 to 27 but they led 34 to 13 at one point in the fourth quarter UCF came back they made the game look closer than it was the story in this one if you watched it Jacoby Brissett looked pretty good yeah he did He, he looked pretty good and the message after the game was pretty clear from the North Carolina State perspective if you are a fan of the Wolfpack 
They're excited about next season. You listen As to they them talk. Be. They are very excited about what is being built down there. They're excited about next season. They had a nice win here in the Bitcoin St. Petersburg Bowl. Did not enjoy the BitPay commercials, if you saw any of those. No. You see any of those? No. I saw a couple of them. Not a little a weird for pretty yep. much everyone involved, but mm-hmm. nonetheless, a nice win for North Carolina State. A win that was uh, definitely not as close as the final score would indicate. Yeah, and they had a rough stretch in the middle of the season. And I think we anticipated this with Florida State, Clemson, BC, and Louisville back to back to back to back, whatever. Uh, but finishing the season strong, winning four or five, only losing to Georgia Tech during that stretch. Obviously, division champ within the ACC, Georgia Tech, but wasting away or wasting Wake Forest away or whatever the phrase I'm looking to say is. Uh, just shellacking North Carolina. Then as, as much as they may have let UCF back in this game a little bit late, very nice way to figure or to, yeah, to figure out how to end the season on a strong note. So Dave Dorn and the Wolfpack, a very positive off season starter, the military bowl presented by Northrop Grumman, mm. Virginia tech, 33 Cincinnati, 17. Wow. Yeah. Didn't watch much of this game. No, and, me neither. and I'm okay with that. And it's one of those things where you got to sacrifice a little bit. I had stuff to do. Uh, I've read about it. I've watched highlights and unexpected with the way that Virginia tech's offense looked in the second half of the season. And Cincinnati's defense had looked bad enough at certain points where you figured Virginia tech would be able to move the ball. But to this point, I don't think I figured they would Michael Brewer, not a, not a good game at all, but able to move the ball on the ground, which Virginia tech has been able to do only sparingly this season. Uh, and there's no surprise that Virginia tech's defense came to play. Ooh, that's a phone ringing. There's a phone. Put ringing. them on the air. I should. Let's see if somebody's going to pick it up. Hmm. That's a second ring. And will we get a third? Yep. We will get a third. This is compelling um, radio. It is very compelling. Uh, and Cincinnati uh, just, Turnovers killed them. They were unable to get anything going on the ground. Gunner Keel. He got knocked out of this game in the third quarter. He, he gets knocked out in Cincinnati just depth-wise. They had no answer for Virginia Tech uh, in that defense. So very nice way for the Hokies. I think it was the 22nd straight winning year for 22nd. Frank 22nd. So as much as we like to have fun with like the eight-win bed, you going to play it? Yeah, you I can play, play it. Play that side. There it is. They got to seven. Yeah. Seven win bed within a game. Good for Virginia tech. Hopefully they can put together a, a recruiting class that fits Bud Foster, I think got a big raise. So maybe he's being groomed to eventually take over in Blacksburg. So good for Virginia tech. Hopefully they can turn the seven win year into like a nine or 10 win next year and, and average it out to eight. All right. We got to move quickly here, Dan. We've got a couple yes. more games to get through and then Let's. we want to do some previews for a couple of the other matchups that are on the docket for this week. The Hyundai mm-hmm. sun bowl ASU. 36 Duke 31. We both took Duke outright. We both like Duke plus seven and a half a fun game here as expected. A lot of offense. Arizona state actually had a two score lead late in the second half. And Daniel, Mm -hmm. yeah, you are not going to believe this. What did they do? They blew it. Oh, they blew a second half lead. It seems so unlike them. It's true. They, well, it seems like them to, um, to have a lead to almost blow it and walk away and you don't feel any better about ASU. That's sort of what they did. That's sort of what I think the takeaway is here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, They blow it. They go down 31 to 30 to Duke. Then they run back and ensuing kickoff 96 yards. They score on the next play from four yards out. They go up 36, 31 mm -hmm. game ends when Anthony Boone from Duke throws a pick in the end zone. They had a shot. 
They had mm-hmm. a shot, Duke did, to try and win this one, but ultimately Arizona State comes away the victor. Again, a fun game, a lot of offense here. Yes. The Duck Commander Independence Bowl. And I was going to shout out to Mario Richard, who I think had all four of Arizona State's touchdowns, sort of do everything slot back and name to pay attention to moving forward. Duck Commander Independence yes. Bowl. South Carolina 24, Miami 21. Didn't see this coming. Why should nope. I feel confident about anything? Nope. I should. Locked uh, up Miami myself. Yeah, Dylan Thompson came to play, had a very nice day, and we talked about Farrell Cooper and how he has sort of been transcendent for South Carolina. Do everything in the return game, punt returns, uh, through the air, seemed borderline and unstoppable against a Miami defense that hasn't been great, but it's, is decently talented. Uh, and Farrell Cooper, a fantastic day for the Gamecocks and is another one of those names. What year is he? He is, I think, a sophomore, I believe. So we'll see more of Farrell Cooper, I believe, unless he's a redshirt sophomore. Okay. Uh, the New Era Pinstripe Bowl. By the way, South Carolina won 24-21 over Miami. Yes, very nice win. Uh, shout out to Al Golden, who lost four straight to finish six and seven. A brutal way to close out the year for Miami. Yes. New Era Pinstripe Bowl. Mm. Why make any predictions at all, Dan? It's true. We said take the under 40 in this game. Yeah. With overtime, the score ended up being 31 to 30 in favor of Penn State. They come from behind. They win this game. The first half was awful. Yeah. Yeah, It was was just awful if you watch this. Mm -hmm. Second half, things picked up. All due credit to Christian Hackenberg, who seemed like he had a little bit more energy in this game. Clearly, the few weeks he had off benefited him greatly was able to get some of that confidence back. He looked much more comfortable in the pocket. Well, Trumpel was very accurate, especially compared to what he was able to do. Comparatively speaking, comparatively speaking, he still dirted a couple balls, which is a new verb that Bob was choosing was able to use in the broadcast, but he, he, he still dirted a couple balls. He still has some accuracy issues, but by and large looked a lot better, had a fantastic day. And Penn State essentially wins this one because Boston College can't kick. They, I mean, they win the game because they score the points. Sure. But they're given the victory in overtime because Boston College has a horrible kicker who right. was two for three on field goals with a range of 28 yards. Ugh. And just, I mean, it was like a dead pull of an extra point. Penn State wins 31 to 30. Penn State wins. You're right about Hack. Hack is one of, it's, it's sort of like, like you or I golfing where there's a lot not to like, but then he pulls something out. He pulls out a ridiculous deep ball. We were like, well, maybe I can do that all yeah. the time. I can hit the, the ball 300 yeah. yards all the time. Right. So that's what you get from, from hack, but he did it more often than not. It seemed like he's, it seems like he took a step forward in this game. We got an email from our friend Prince, I believe yes. asking what positive to take. Cause it wasn't the, the prettiest of games, this game against BC and they, you know, Penn state probably not as good as they've, they've shown themselves to be on defense against the run. But then again, not surprising that Boston college able to move the ball on the ground. Chris Godwin, I think is a big plus to take away from this. He hasn't gotten a lot of work this year. He hasn't gotten a lot of work, and I think it'll be a nice offseason for him. True true freshman, I believe. I know he's a a first-year player. He's a young guy. He's a young guy, and so hopefully 
building the depth there, building the confidence that Hackenberg had last season with Allen Robinson. Maybe him and him and Godwin are able to start connecting more and more. And that's, I think, a positive to take away from this. And just year over year, Penn State's going to get deeper. They're going to get more experienced in this system going into the second year of the system. I think there's a lot to take away positive from this, especially with how good they were on defense after the transition to Bob Shoup and his system. They were, they were very good. The line yeah. also played a lot better. Yes, they in did. this game, they actually gave With him some time, gave uh, Hackenberg some time to throw the football, which was nice. They got to get the running game in order. I would imagine that's going to be job number one for our friend. Herb Hand. But Decent they got to get better running the football and they certainly need to figure out some way to get their receivers a little bit more open. Those guys have had yes. trouble all year getting any separation with opposing defenders. If you can do that, give hack time and develop a running game. I think your offense takes a big step forward, but those are not easy tasks as you progress forward now into the off season. Yep. And very finally, before we get into some previews, mm. the national university holiday bowl. Now this was fun. USC 45, Nebraska 42. I watched this game. I watched most of this game. I watched all of it. Yeah. And I turned it off at one point when it looked as if US, USC, I almost said mm-hmm. UFC. Hmm. I turned it off when the Trojans looked as if they were going to run away with it. Huge mistake. Then I turned it back on. Yeah. Around the five minute mark in the fourth quarter, (laughs) because that's when things got interesting. Tommy Armstrong Jr. At that point had just run in a 15 yard touchdown. Kenny Mm -hmm. Bell caught a two point conversion. Things got a little murky here. USC is able to hold on. Yeah. Yeah. Tommy Armstrong Jr., my man. I have not been a fan of Tommy Armstrong Jr. all season long. Uh, I think that's a correct way to view Nebraska football. Had a decent day statistically. However, if you watch this football game, (sighs) I watched most of this game. Yeah. If you watch the game, you'll understand why. Accuracy is not a guiding preset for Tommy Armstrong. It was a lot of yards after the catch. A lot of screens that just went for a ton after. He, He has a ton of arm strength. Yep. And arm is strong. Yeah. And compared to previous seasons, he feels like he's a lot more comfortable in the pocket, Mm -hmm. but still the accuracy thing is a big problem. USC could have had about six picks in this game. If they had caught some of those passes, Yep, they dropped a lot of interceptions. Uh, and, And on the other side, if we're throwing shade at these teams, USC, very undisciplined, undisciplined as hell. 12 penalties had something like eight in the first quarter or the first half. Yep. Not a good look for them. They almost blow this game, the holiday bowl, which continues to be a fun game, no matter who's in it. Mm -hmm. Always. Yeah. Adoree Jackson, I would say is a huge highlight. Leonard Williams is very good in backfields all day. Had a stupid penalty where he taunted the sideline of Nebraska. But yes, Adoree Jackson with the, I think USC's first touch uh, in a kick with a kickoff return, the distance uh, Buck Allen was, was very good for USC. Uh, Cody Kessler looked mostly good, but disappeared for stretches. It seemed um, the combination. I don't know what it's, it's yet to be determined if Nelson Aguilar will be back next season, but any sort of combination with him and Juju Smith and a little bit of a Dory Jackson playing on that side of the ball should make for a very prolific uh, receiving core next season. USC will still have the depth issues, but Nebraska I think is, is the bigger intrigue with them moving to Mike Riley and his system. How will they use Tommy Armstrong? No more Amir Abdullah. The big bright spot that you can take away from this game is DeMornay Pearsonell, the freshman receiver. Very nice yesterday for, for, uh, 
for first year receivers with him and Chris Godwin, Jordan Westerkamp, a very nice day, uh, extending plays. I think he had a 65 yard touchdown off of a shorter pass, turning it into a lot more. Um, yeah, it was a good old fashioned shootout and USC survived despite USC's own best efforts to give the game to the Huskers. Dan, time, help. I need picks of the week. All right, Dan, let's try this again. Let's let's not do any locks. We're not doing locks. Let's be super wrong. I'm going to do a lock later this week. You'll find out about that one on our Tuesday or Wednesday show whenever that gets uh, pushed out. But let's start. We got to move quick. We've got questions we want to get through. We do. Let's go to the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. Get in the zone. This one is between West Virginia, seven and five Mm -hmm. West Virginia. They're a point and a half favorite against Texas A&M, also seven and five. Mm -hmm. Mentioned it at the top of the show. Clint Trickett not playing in this one. He's retiring due to concussions. Probably a wise move. We wish him well. In the meantime, that means sophomore Skylar Howard will start in his place. He's been. That's a big 12 quarterback name if I've ever heard one. Skylar Howard. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. He's been decent in limited action, five touchdowns, no interceptions. Mm -hmm. I find it intriguing and telling that West Virginia is still a point and a half favorite despite the quarterback change. That to me is Vegas telling us something. I expect a lot of points here. And though I'd normally be inclined to go with the points in what I think is a potential shootout. I am going to say West Virginia wins one for the Gipper. They give Clint Trickett a win on his way out. They win this game 38-35. Yeah, so West Virginia, a team that depends on their quarterback, I mean, as much as most teams, but he throws the ball a ton. Clint Trickett Trickett is without their starting quarterback. And Texas A&M, who plays very little in the way of defense, has no defensive coordinator. So... Yeah, it feels shootouty, and I'll probably give the advantage to West Virginia because it's Kevin White and Kevin White's last game, and there's all sorts of players offensive skill-wise to enjoy on both sides of this game. So I just say enjoy the shootout. I The reason West Virginia is probably still favored is because they appear to be a more complete team despite the back half of their schedule and the results they're in. I would say... Let's just go with West Virginia here. There's more to like about them, more ways to win in a shootout. It's it's a toss up, especially in a weird, right. crazy exhibition season where we're going to see some trick plays and weirdness. Let's go West Virginia on Monday. The Russell Athletic Bowl. Hmm. 530 on Monday. Yes, that's a thing. Oklahoma eight and four Clemson nine and three. The Sooners are a three and a half point favorite. Now, you might ask why, Dan. Why, Dan? Clemson is starting Cole Stout. Yeah, they are. That's still a thing. I am not sure I know how Clemson scores any points. Yeah. I'm also not certain that Oklahoma can score points against the top defense in the nation, at least if you're looking at it in terms of total defense. Right. But I feel a little more confident that Trevor Knight and Sterling Shepard, with them in the game, in addition to Samaje Ryan, Yeah, he'll be back after getting injured in Bedlam. I feel a little bit more confident with that offense than I do Clemson's. I like Oklahoma here. This is one of those games that if I felt ballsy enough, I'd lock it up, but I'm not, I'm just not doing that to myself anymore. Right. So I, I'm very confident in Oklahoma winning this game by more than three and a half. I'm going to disagree just because why not? I like Clemson's defense a lot. I like the fact that they're able to get much better running the ball later on in the season. They did a great job against South Carolina, but mind you, that was a game that we saw Deshaun Watson playing. So 
I'll go with Artavis Scott or Mike Williams making a couple of plays. The defense giving Clemson good field position. It's I'm not a huge fan of picking against Oklahoma with time like this to get healthier and to game plan, but I will go with the defense. I think they're able to overcome any sort of rust factor. And I think Clemson wins ugly. Nine o'clock on Monday, the Advocare V100 Texas Bowl. It's a vitamin yeah. company. Didn't it used to be the Advocare V100 Independence Bowl? I believe or so. Maybe there were two Advocare Bowls. Yes, it's a vitamin company. Continue. Do you think that going from the Independence Bowl to the Texas Bowl is seen as an upgrade for a sponsor? Sure. Yeah, probably because going from Shreveport to where is this game? This game is, is this game in Jerry's World? Uh, is it in Jerry World? It's in Texas. I can assure you of that. It, no, it's in Houston. So oh, I'm Houston. assuming NRG Stadium, whatever power company it's named after. It'd be great if they played at the Astrodome, like <laughs> this dilapidated, like it has not been cleared for any sort of public events. Um, no, I assume it's going to be there. Um, I like Arkansas in this game. Yeah. I'm going with the hogs. I'm going with horns down Bert. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you got the Bert sound for me. Uh, where's my Bert sound? See, I'm getting rusty here because I haven't played yeah, it in a while. I do have the okay. bird sound. Keep talking. I'll find it. Okay, cool. Um, Jonathan Williams is back for his senior year. Not that that oh, matters. Oh, that's but so nice, bird. Sorry about that. <laughs> you were talking about Jonathan Williams. Yeah, I was talking about Jonathan Williams. I like the the Williams-Collins duo as much as I like uh, Texas and their ability to move forward. I'm still not confident in their offensive line going against what now appears to be like a very dangerous Arkansas front. I think Arkansas will be able to pound Texas enough in this game. Still don't like Tyrone swoops for Texas. Um, I'm going to go Arkansas here. 27, 17, maybe even 27, 10. I think they have a very nice win. Arkansas, uh, the best six and six team in the country. I don't think there's much debate over that. You mentioned Hornsgate, which is fun. Ugh. It's fun for people like us when Hornsgate happens. If you don't know what Dan's talking about, Go on the internet, Google Hornsgate, Google Brett Bielema, Google Texas Bowl, basically during a photo op with Charlie Strong. Yeah. Brett Bielema did the old upside down hook em horn sign a la sure. Houston Nut, I think back in the, I want to say it was the year 2000, he did it in the Cotton Bowl. Right. Only he stood up on a bench and did it. Uh-huh. Brett Bielema sort of did it on the sly. Like, oh, I'm, I'm just sort of scratching <laughs> my Charlie cuticles. Yeah. You know, Charlie Strong's right next to me. I'm just sort of. Um, scratching my fingers and oh by the right. way it looks like an upside down horns it got so much better to me and then we'll move on but it got so much better I just assumed it was something that Oklahoma fans did or something just to have fun with Texas fans and like aha horns now whatever and then I, somebody on Texas Tech did it after scoring a touchdown something and Mac Brown freaked out yeah and he was just like it's so disrespectful and I was just like God, I didn't care before. Now I want everybody to do horns down just to, you know, to see Mac Brown clutching his pearls is just the best. Arkansas, as I mentioned, way better than the record. The offense <laughs> got progressively more balanced as the yes. season wore on, which I think is important. We had questions about Brandon Allen all year and the defense has actually been pretty good. Very quietly. The defense has been pretty good. So I, I also favor Arkansas here. Uh, what are they? Minus six and a half. I, I think they cover that. I think they win by 14 here. All right. Fair enough. Let's move to Tuesday at 3 p.m. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Get fired up. It is the Franklin American mortgage 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 music city bowl. Yeah, it is between LSU eight and four and Notre Dame 
seven and five. LSU is a seven point favorite here. I am holding out hope, Daniel, that my curse is going to come out. It's going to come back out the way it did before the Florida State Notre Dame game. Mm -hmm. I really Mm -hmm. like LSU here. Yep. I'm thinking Notre Dame's basically mailed it in. They've got injuries all over the field. They don't know who their quarterback is. They've given me no reason to think they can beat LSU. Of course, this means that they will. But as of now, I'm going to say I like LSU a lot more here. I think this is close for the majority of the game, but then LSU pulls away late because of the running attack and Leonard Fournette. So are we positive that LSU has a quarterback? No, LSU has no quarterback. I was going to say, like, these are two teams that aren't really sure that they have quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, What do you think here? I I think LSU, I think there's more to like about them athletically and just the depth everywhere in this game. But without a quarterback, I can't really feel confident in anybody in this game. Um, There there are things to like. Notre Dame was able to rush the ball a lot better this season than I think a lot of people expected and were able to improve from what they were able to do last season, even with offensive and defensive line losses. LSU seemed to get better over the course of the season played Alabama as tough as anyone did, but then you see some of the eggs that they laid and it's hard to feel confident either way. I'm going to go with LSU here, but just, I shrug my shoulders and I say, Hey, maybe something fun will happen. There'll be a cool trick play. Let's move to another Tuesday game. It's one of four bowl games, Dan outside the majors that features a contest between two ranked teams. Of course, I'm talking about the Belk bowl. Duh. Georgia nine and three Louisville nine and three Georgia's a six and a half point favorite. The matchup to watch here is the Louisville defense, particularly the rush defense against Nick Mm -hmm. Chubb. If you're a Georgia fan, Dan, wait for it. Wait for it. The question is whether your Chubb can find a hole. Oh God. Why? Why Ty? Why would you do this? This is a, a children's show. Chubb needs to find a hole, Dan. Otherwise, uh, Georgia could be in a little bit of trouble or or would they be in trouble? Hudson Mason hasn't been the greatest passer on planet Earth throughout the 2014 season, but he's been reliable. I think he's been pretty good. He's been he, reliable. He some, some down games early on, but I'm, I'm checking right now. I don't remember if he finished the season as the SEC's at least most efficient quarterback, certainly not their most productive quarterback, but uh, the season ended. It was Blake Sims, then Hudson Mason. That's He's pretty been good. reliable. He's been all right. That's pretty dang good. Um, yeah, Hudson Mason. The, the big thing is he hasn't given it away. He, I think against FBS teams, he only threw three or four picks. And in, with the, with an offense that relies so heavily on the run, just, just be good. Just connect on third and sevens. And we like you. And Hudson Mason was able to do that. So Good for Hudson Mason. I think I like Georgia a little bit more in this game, but uh, Louisville certainly with that defense, they should be able to keep it relatively low scoring. Hudson Mason, I believe his final year at Georgia. Um, yep. He's a, a good senior. one. Yeah, yeah. Very good. All right. I like Georgia. Uh, let's move to the Foster Farms. <laughs> what is Foster Farms? They make chicken. Do they? Yeah. They make, uh, I, I believe, like chicken breasts. What a, a strong chicken sponsorship in this year's oh, bowl very season. Very strong. College football is nothing if not a, a sport of poultry. You've got Popeyes, Zaxby's, Foster Farms, and then the Chick-fil-A bowl. Yeah, we've got a lot of Chick-fil-A. Yeah, A lot of chickens out there. Mm-hmm. Well, not as much anymore. That's right. Stanford's minus 14 in this game against Maryland. Both teams are seven and five. Mm-hmm. 
I have zero confidence in Maryland right now. I got to be honest with you. I don't have much in the way of confidence either. I I don't have a ton of confidence that Stanford can go out there and put up numbers enough to win by 14 or more. Right. But I think the lack of confidence I have in Maryland far trumps any kind of doubt I have about Stanford. I, I cannot in good faith go against the Cardinal here. I'll take Stanford. I'll lay the points. Yeah, Maryland's defense finished the season as sort of being decidedly average, whereas Stanford's defense is clearly the strongest thing in this game. And the fact that Stanford on offense, I want to say they finished out the season after some really disappointing weeks against good teams offensively. Stanford's offense finishes the season against Cal and UCLA. I think both of those games, they scored over 30 points. So if you were to believe in any sort of late season rhythm, this would be the time to believe in Stanford. They, they finished the season with their strongest game, beating UCLA 31, 10, 31, seven, something like that. And um, with time, getting healthier with a good offensive line. If we see good Kevin Hogan, which isn't always the case, I think they should have a fairly easy time with the Terps. All right. And then let's go to Wednesday. We've got some big ones to talk Mm. about on Wednesday. Let's first start with the Chick-fil-A peach bowl games Mm. at 1230. It's new year's Eve TCU 11 and one Ole Miss had God. I don't even have their record here. Were they nine and three on the year? Three losses for Ole Miss. TCU is a three and one half point favorite. Yep. Our good friend, Chris, the capper actually has a pick for all three of these Wednesday games. Seeing as how neither Dan nor I can actually pick any of these. Correct. It would behoove you to listen to what Chris has to say because he finished the season on a strong note. Let's have a listen. TCU minus three against Ole Miss. This line seems pretty low to me uh, and could be because some of the SEC bias when it comes to bowl season. Uh, the Horned Frogs, while they had a few close calls throughout the year, looked pretty dominant for most of the season and would definitely be in the playoff if not for letting the Baylor Bears go wild in the fourth quarter back in October. Uh, Ole Miss, uh, on the other side, you know, really limped to the finish line here. While they did beat rival Mississippi State the last week of the year, didn't really end the year playing good football. Uh, lost 30 to nothing to Arkansas, lost to Auburn, and lost to LSU. Uh, and then, you know, fun fact, uh, Ole Miss has only have only has one FBS win since the middle of October. Um, that does not sound like a top 10 team to me. I think TCU's much better on offense. I know Ole Miss has a lot of injuries. Um, but, again, this line just seems way too short. So we'll take TCU to win this one 31-21. to 31-21. I couldn't agree more with Chris, Dan. TCU's a good team. They're looking to make a statement here because they were left out of the playoff. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, not a great finish for Ole Miss. That tells me everything I need to know about this one. I am going to go TCU here. I think they they try to make that statement and win the Peach Bowl. I agree. That's all I got. I like TCU a lot okay. here. I think Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss. We're probably overstating, overthinking. Ole Miss did limp. They didn't look great near the end of the season, but they are still quite good and they will be getting healthier. They have been getting healthier. I think they will be good in limiting this game to, to it not being a typical TCU score in a victory. I, I mean, there was a stretch there where Ole Miss hadn't allowed an offensive touchdown or allowed yeah. one offensive touchdown in like seven weeks. So will TCU score 31? That might be a little bit high, but I could see 27... 17, 27, 20 TCU. I feel like that's somewhere in there. I like TCU a lot here. The other games on Wednesday, the Vizio Fiesta Bowl. Vizio now sponsoring the Fiesta Bowl, Dan. Yes. They've moved away from the Rose Bowl. 
Who has the Rose Bowl? It's Northwestern Mutual. Northwestern Mutual, yes. That's sweet cash. Vizio Fiesta Bowl at 4 p.m. Eastern. Mm-hmm. Arizona 10 and 3. Boise State 11 and 2. Zona is a three point favorite. Let's hear what Chris has to say here. My next game is Arizona minus three against Boise State. Uh, another strange line considering, you know, who Arizona has played and, and beaten this year. You know, the Wildcats have beaten Oregon. Uh, even though they lost in the Pac-12 title game, they've beaten Arizona State and they've beaten Utah. Boise State, while they rattle off a bunch of wins in, the, in a row, you know, best win might be to Nevada uh, at Nevada, maybe BYU at home. Um, they did lose to Air Force in September. Uh, I just think people are getting caught up in the nostalgia. Oh, Boise State and bowl season, you know, they're a really good team. I'm just not sold on Boise really at all this year. Uh, and I actually think Rich Rod has his team prepared. Uh, in the fighting Rich Rod's role in this one. Let's take Arizona to win this one big, 41-27. to 27. Uh, Another game where I agree with Chris, let's look at Arizona's losses. USC, UCLA, and Oregon. Yeah. Those aren't three horrible losses. No. I, I like this team. And they should have beaten USC. They missed a chip shot field goal to win it. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. If you're Arizona in this game, you let a new Solomon unleash the dragon. Mm-hmm. throw the football, the Boise State pass defense leaves a little bit to be desired. I like Arizona to win this one big as well. 35-21. to 21. Let's go I Wildcats. disagree! Really? Yeah, I'm going to go Boise here, and I, I refute his claim that Boise hasn't beaten anybody. Uh, Utah State has an outstanding defense, and they put up 50 on Utah State. I think it was 50-19, to 50-20, something like that. Boise is good. Um, I'm worried about Arizona and their ability to stop the run after that Oregon game. Not that Boise should be able to to run the ball quite on the level of the number one offense in the country. But I think with Jay Ajayi, I really like the steps forward that Grant Hedrick took for Boise State. I think I think the Broncos will be in a position, especially with it a bit, being a bit of a letdown situation for Arizona. You know, they're, they're in Tucson. They're playing in the Fiesta Bowl in Tempe. It's just not as complete a bowl experience, even though this is Arizona in a, a BCS new year's level bowl. And it is quite impressive. They win the PAC 12 South. I like Boise here with the motivation, with the run game. I like the Broncos 38, 32, something like that. And very finally, the capital one bowl, 8 PM Mississippi state, 10 and two, a seven point favorite. Wow. Mm-hmm. Over Georgia tech, the rambling wreck are 10 and three, Chris, the capper once more. Let's take Georgia Tech plus seven against Mississippi State. Uh, another good but not great SEC team getting an inflated line here against a pretty good team. Uh, Miss State, similar to Ole Miss, uh, you know, uh, they lost to Ole Miss by 14 to end of the year. Uh, beat Vandy, Vanderbilt okay. Uh, got dominated by Alabama, even though the final score showed it was closer than it really was. Uh, you know, on the flip side, Georgia Tech won its final six regular season games, including wins over Georgia and Clemson. And while Paul Johnson seems to struggle in bowl recently, you know, you have Mississippi State's defensive coordinator leaving, going to Florida. Uh, rumors going around that if Jim Harbaugh doesn't take the Michigan job, that Dan Mullen potentially is next in line. Uh, and I just think seven points is too much to two teams that are pretty evenly matched. So let's take Mississippi State to win this one, but Georgia Tech to cover, Georgia Tech to cover. Uh, let's take Mississippi State 34 to 31. 34 31. He's looking for a good game. Right. I, I agree with him to the extent that Mississippi State wins this football game. I I genuinely think they're the better team. I don't think they'll have trouble scoring on Georgia Tech's defense because that's been a weakness all season. Yeah, they've got they they really were better in the second half. They they were, but 
But I do think Mississippi State is going to be able to move the ball on them. The, the counterpoint, though, is that you can run the ball on Mississippi State. And Georgia Tech just happens to do that pretty well. So I don't think the Bulldogs are in any danger of losing here. Right. But I do like Georgia Tech to cover a seven-point spread. That feels like a lot to me. And this is a team that can sort of hang around, can linger, can sneak up on you when you least expect it in some weird situations. So uh, Mississippi State, 34-31, that feels about right to me too. Georgia Tech, 34, Mississippi State, 24. I think Georgia Tech wins outright by pushing double digits. I think they're going to be able to run the ball well. It's a great point about Collins going to Florida. I'm going to go, even though Mississippi State will have a month to prepare for the Georgia Tech flex bone dominance, I'm going to go with the rambling wreck here. I'm going to go with tech and I think they're going to be able to frustrate the Mississippi state defense, which was fine, but nothing that I would consider to be all that good. They were very good in the red zone the first half of the season, but I'm going to go Georgia tech here. I feel more confident in their ability moving forward. All right. There you have it. Just a quick update. Yes. Harbaugh returns by user CDL 1992 <laughs> is currently in first place in the pick em pool. He leads by 40 points over DW30, over Spartan Dogs, over Childbearing Yips. <laughs> you love your Yips. Over Connor ASU and over Lee Corso's national champion. That, again, is the solid verbal pick'em pool. We've got 758 entries in <sighs> here. Dan, I'm currently sitting at 75%. Excuse me. I'm at 48, sir. 48. You know what's going to happen. But I have like all of my like numbers, 20 to 39 confidence picks left. I am ranked 303rd currently. What's going to happen is we are both going to finish about 50th percentile. Could see that. Have the exact same point total. Yeah, that'll probably happen. That is what's going to happen. But uh, yeah. right now looking very good for some of the others atop that list. Again, his name. Let me pull this up so I don't get this wrong. Harbaugh mm -hmm. returns. Harbaugh returns. We'll talk more about that on our on our next show. We've got uh, about 10 minutes here that we All can right. put aside. If you want to talk, blast. talk about uh, some questions. Congratulations, Skippy. You've got mail. You've got mail on the solid verbal. As often as we can, Daniel, we do our best to pay homage. <sighs> to those of you who write into solidverbal at gmail.com. More recently, we've been focusing on the Facebook page. You've got a bunch here in list form. Do you want to run through these quickly? Quickly, yes. Brian Bowen says he has to ask, is Dan elite? Dan is so elite. Yeah, I finally crossed that threshold. You've always been over that threshold, Dan. Yes. I, I right. still, I need to find out more and I'm not done investigating yet. Okay. In time for our next show, mm. I need to find out your beef with Michigan people who are excited about Jim Harbaugh. I'm not, I have no beef. I need to find that beef out, but I'm, I am willing. You know what? This is what I tweeted. I'll, I can read it word for word if you want. I, I'm willing to give you temporary elite status until we can confirm it. Okay. This is, this is literally, I hate the word literally so much, but I said it anyway. <laughs> I said it anyway. Um, the, my exact <laughs> phrasing was, uh, let me scroll down. Um, Jim Harbaugh succeeding at Michigan isn't a sure thing. Okay. Is that fair to say that a hire is not a 100% automatic sure thing? It is very fair to say, but people aren't are there, excited. Aren't they're not allowed to be excited about people this. People should be excited. This is a and big deal. It's a great hire. Yeah. But, but 
there are variables. And is it is it exciting if he stays for two years, three years? Less so, probably. I it just feels like he'd rather be in the NFL with full personnel control and nobody was going to give it to him. So this seemed like, all right, this is a cool thing to do. He hasn't stayed anywhere longer than four years. Right. I, I hear he what is, you're saying. I'm just saying I'm going to put okay. temporary hold on the elite status. Dan, I think I'm my official statement is you should be excited. If you're a Michigan, there you go. Michigan fan, because he is a fantastic coach and he cares deeply about your university. I'm just saying there's a, a more complete picture than that. I, I kid because I care. You're always elite in my eyes, Daniel. Next question. And this, I'm going to pose to you specifically. I'll jump in, I guess, but this comes from Carl go to buffet food item. You are much more, oh, a much more prolific buffet peruser goer than I am. Oh, I'm a notorious buffet yeah. peruser goer than you. So what do you, are you, are you full like salad, main plate, dessert, side dish? Like, are you, do you have multiple plates on your tray? I not, I, I don't go multiple plates at the same time. Okay. I almost always start out with the salad. Okay. From there, it kind of comes on uh, undone because will, you, you have so much variety at the, at the buffet, Dan. Right. It's difficult to establish a theme, right? You, it's sure. tough to just go all Mexican. It's tough to just go all Italian because you've got so many other options. So right. usually I don't have one go-to item. Usually I start with the salad as the anchor because that's how I can convince sure. myself Regardless of what else I eat, I'm still somewhat healthy. To you, what defines an elite buffet? Like, oh, that's a good buffet. They have blank. An elite what is buffet. the defining yeah. characteristic of a top-notch buffet? I got to be honest with you, and this is a boring answer. If you've got a robust selection of, of salad, like a good... Salad? A good salad. I'm serious. Oh. If you've got a good selection of toppings for the salad... Uh, what are, what are your toppings that you need? I don't need any in particular, but I like the creativity. I like right. options at my salad bar. I like a good omelet, a, a good omelet station. An omelet station yeah. where they make it in front of you. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like those any are good. sort of like any like a, a stir fry, any sort of guy whose job it is to listen to your customized order. I feel like that's a, that's the go to. He's got like the chef's hat on. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Of course. Yeah. And just like, oh, I'd like a, a bacon and pepper scramble of some kind, you know, something like that, where he is just he is flexible. I think that is the go to item at a buffet at the Golden Corral. I'm told they have a chocolate fountain. <laughs> they just I've not I've never been to a Golden Corral. Neither have I. I've been to a uh, old country buffet. Right. Which is an interesting intestinal experience. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. But um. Apparently, the chocolate fountain's a big thing because they opened one at the nearby Lehigh Valley Mall. Right. About a year or two years ago, fiance Kate and I were over there. They had to stop traffic. They stopped traffic and brought in traffic cops to direct traffic to get into the Golden Corral. Damn it all. Next question. Perhaps elite from the Golden Corral. Michael Ambrose, which program do y'all think took the biggest step forward or backwards this season? I have a few candidates. It's hard to say one definitively did over another one. Uh, I think Georgia Tech took a fantastic step forward after Paul Johnson going into the season was like, is this really what the direction that Georgia Tech should be going in? Yeah. I thought Georgia Tech did a great job. Duke solidifying itself as an ACC power, which is a, a funny phrase to say. Minnesota, I feel like, took another step forward. And just that, at the very least, they are a hard out. They're Minnesota, hard out. And, and at the most, they're going to beat you. That's just what's going to happen. They're going to beat you. I thought Utah did a, a great job of taking a step forward. In terms of taking a step back, I was disappointed in Stanford this season. 
I really figured that they had gotten themselves into a place where they were at least a guarantee to, to threaten for double digit victories and really did not look the part until maybe late in the season against UCLA. Um, I thought Notre Dame, even though expectations weren't huge for this year's squad, I would say maybe more specifically Everett Golson and taking a step back, right? Just in terms of what he has shown himself uh, as a quarterback and his ability Real the turnovers was just brutal and really was not. Ex- I, I really did expect him with the year off with all that training to come I in know. and, and vie for more. Yeah, you're right. hundred percent. Right. Um, Arkansas, Arkansas, I think Arkansas, that's a great answer. A huge step forward, six and six. We just discussed them, but way better than the record would indicate big step forward for them. I definitely agree with Minnesota. I yeah. still struggle with where to put Minnesota. I I'm not sure. They were playing for the division last week of the year. They were playing for the division, no doubt about it. Um, I am not sure if that success is something they're able to uh, sustain. Right. They will be able to sustain moving forward, but still a, a big step forward. I thought Penn State actually took a, a bit of a step back. And I'm really? not, okay. I, I don't think it was unexpected. Right. Maybe it's a situation where it was more Christian Hackenberg. Uh, he definitely took a step back, but the offensive line was kind of a mess. The defense played well, but um, if we can hone in on one thing, we'll just say the Penn State offense definitely took a step back from where it was a year ago with Bill O'Brien. I, I don't think there's any question about that. Um, Michigan, I, that goes without saying. Obviously, they might end up with a new coach because of it. Miami's an interesting uh, debate. Yeah, I, you could argue a tale of two seasons. Yeah, you could argue both sides of the equation for Miami. On one yeah. hand they had the offense working nicely in spots with Brad Kaya. A once, true freshman. Yeah. A true freshman. Once he got a little bit more mature and comfortable with the situation there, they've got some receiving threats, obviously Duke Johnson, who's going to go pro on the other side of things, as we discussed a little earlier, lost four to close the year out, finished with a, a you know, an underwhelming six and seven record. And I think now Al Golden's probably a bit on the hot seat as we move forward into 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would. I would also throw in uh, Texas A&M as yeah, the, the step one. back. Good one, Dan. Um, just because going into the off season, the recruiting looked great. The the recruiting class that they had put together that appears to at least be falling apart on a certain level. Offensively, there's a lot to like about some of the skill players, but really, just the play calling seems so spotty at times. And you have the the huge win against Auburn on the road, but then the way they finished out the season, and then their defense didn't get better at all. In fact, in a number of ways, it got worse. I just I wasn't expecting a ton. At eight and four seemed realistic for Texas A and M, but the way that they got to where they did, it just. It doesn't inspire a ton of confidence, perhaps like we had the past couple of seasons under Kevin Sumlin with the Aggies. All right, let's move on here. I'm going to go rapid fire through these. Cooper writes in, will teams stop scheduling four to 10 years out? Now a strength of schedule is going to be more of a deciding factor with the committee. Yeah. Interesting question. You're going to be seeing fewer teams scheduled down like extraordinarily down FCS level really bad down I think you'll see less of that teams what like what Baylor did and what they're trying to alleviate to their credit um I think I think they're going to be looking at the way football is structured the way FBS is structured and the way you can or cannot schedule so I think that in a roundabout way yes there will be stop like hey they've scheduled a home and home unless it is like 
Michigan, Texas, Notre Dame, Stanford, you know, not, not Notre Dame, Stanford already play each other, Notre Dame, Florida, something like that, where even if one of the teams is down, you know, it's a headline matchup. I think you'll still see those out, but not as many lower ish uh, head to heads that far out. Zach and Michael both write in about a similar question yes. here. Want to know what we think of New Year's Eve? Overrated, underrated, or properly rated? Pro- p- properly rated, Daniel. I think it is It is what you make of it. See, I'm not a big going out till four in the morning. What do you do on New Year's? What are you going to do this New Year's Eve? I'm going to have a quiet time. I'm going to have some from friends over to, uh, to the folks' house. We're going to be grilling. We're going to be hanging out, a couple drinks. We're leaving relatively early for the Rose Bowl, so staying out late isn't like an option really because we're old and dumb and boring, but, um, I like it. I think it's, you should use it as an occasion to maybe do something a little bit fancier than usual. Even if it's staying in, have people over the whole thing of going out and spending a ton of money for new year's events. Yeah. I think it's kind of stupid, but like, I think it's a good excuse to hang out with people you like hanging out with, maybe do it up a little bit fancier, but, uh, don't go overboard. I think it has the potential to be overrated. Don't yeah. do the thing where you pay $50 and get a bracelet. Right. And you get the buffet before. Yeah. Right. Oh. Don't, don't. I've done that more times. <laughs> you love buffets, though. I love buffets, but they don't have a good salad bar. It's not worth it. <laughs> don't do the thing where you do the $50 and unless there is an experience out there. Right. Of which I am unaware. It is not worth your money. Spend it with some friends. What I've been doing. What is your New Year's Eve 2015, though? Fiance Kate, cousin Tony, and some friends. We go to the local hibachi restaurant. <sighs> you love your hibachi. Let's do some hibachi. Let's grab a drink at midnight. Let's get the hell out. I think you did the same thing last year. I've done the same thing the last three years. <laughs> I love it. It's a new tradition. I love That's great. Great fried rice. Throw some of those. What are they? What are the green things they throw in your mouth? The vegetables. Um, are, are, were you looking for the word vegetables? Whatever the veggie is that they, yeah, vegetables. Thank you. Okay. Whatever the word is for the vegetable yeah. they throw in your mouth. Okay. I'll remain undefeated at catching the vegetable in my mouth. Your New Year's is, so you you let it be dictated. You go where the fried rice is. I go where the fried you rice is. You go where the, the flying shrimp is. And furthermore, if I miss on my first attempt, that jinxes the whole next year when they try to throw the veggie in my mouth. You would make for such a good grizzly bear. I really, I really Airborne seafood is your calling. All right. And uh, all right. Two, one, two, two questions right here very quickly. All right. What do you got? Vince says he's never been to L.A. He's headed out there mm. in a few days to watch Oregon in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Any recommendations from Dan for a good sports bar, other restaurant slash bar to watch the Sugar Bowl? Afterwards, he said, I'll be staying for the weekend. I'm also wondering any tips for Mexican food and or eateries near the beach. Um, I don't know sports bars all that well in LA. I know there's, a, I know a couple places like in Hollywood, but that's not super close. Um, I would, I would head towards old town Pasadena. There should be a ton of football fans watching football at sports bars or in, in old town. I just don't know it that well. Um, as for eating near the beach, good pizza, good Mexican food in Santa Monica. Um, if you go down, I'm trying to think there's a couple of actually Venice. I would say Venice it's near the beach. If you go to Abbott Kinney, which is the name of a street, there's a pizza place called Jelena, G-J-E-L-I-N-A, real good. Um, there's a taco truck in Venice called La Isla Bonita, 
amazing. Get the ceviche tostada from La Isla Bonita. See if you can find the Kogi barbecue truck. That's really good. And as for fish tacos, it's not near the beach, but it's in East Hollywood. I would go out of your way to go to Ricky's. It's a truck, but it is the f- best fish taco I've had in America ever. Wow. Um, okay. That is my recommendation as for Mexican food. Um, can we finish off with Lee? Yes. This is a question. I don't know how much you can relate to this question. This is, this is a great question. It's a great question. And it was so good that I actually enlisted the help of Dr. Jane. Oh, really? Yeah. And Dr. Rubenstein. Yes. Great. There are multiple, multiple medical professionals in yeah. on answering this question. Okay. okay. So this is from Lee. This is to our, this is to our inbox to solidverbal at gmail.com. He says, hello, my name is Lee. I need some advice. My girlfriend is coming back from a three month trip to the Netherlands. Yes. And since she left, I've grown out my facial hair. When she last saw me, I had no facial hair and I don't know if she likes me with facial hair or not. So what should I do? Should I shave because that's how she knows me or keep it and surprise her. Now your thoughts as somebody who doesn't really grow facial hair is what? There are a number of factors here, Dan. Hmm. All right. So my thoughts could change. First off, how fresh is the relationship? Have they been going out for six years or six months? If she were, if she was gone for three months to the Netherlands and they're still together and she, he's, she's used to seeing him a certain way. I would imagine we're into at least a year, two years. That was, that was my assumption as well. A good level of familiarity. That was my assumption as well. Right. I am inclined if I am Lee. I'm inclined to shave the beard. I'm inclined to shave the facial hair. Right. If you really got a thing for this girl, Lee, mm-hmm. who knows what kinds of crazy things she experienced when she was in the Netherlands? Who knows what your arrangement is? I don't want to introduce any doubt into the situation. Don't make things more difficult on her when she comes back. Right. Shave the beard now. Reintroduce it gradually once you're sure the relationship is on stable footing. And then see if you can work it into the equation. But I, I would not feel very comfortable doing it right. when she comes back, especially if this is someone you're really into. I tend to agree with you. Um, and for similar reasons. Her coming back from the Netherlands is about her. She's been gone for a while. She's coming back. She's traveling. She, for whatever reason, if it was for work, studying, whatever the case may be, she's been gone for a while. You showing up with the beard suddenly makes things about you. And I don't think that's necessarily the best. Uh, Doc Rubenstein tends to agree in that regard. But I will, and I consulted Dr. Jane, who is the authority on all things self-regulate, whatever it is. She is she is the authority because she says she is. He says, she says, does Lee like his facial hair? If so, keep it. If she freaks and he's not attached, then he can shave. But why? Um, why is he so afraid of her? Is this girl a monster? The verballers need me. Exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. If Lee were coming back from the Netherlands and grew a beard, I would say by all means, come back with it. I will add this from Dr. Rubenstein. Let her know. If he likes this beard, let her know that he has grown this beard and she can either be like, I really just don't want to see that. Can we just, can you just not have that? And then you're like, all right, she does. She's not in the mood. But if she's like, oh, okay, I'm curious about this. Then, you know, you've got a good interplay there. I would at least let her know at the very least, let her know. By the way, was there no Skype involved here? Three months in the Netherlands? Yeah, no Skype, no FaceTime. Maybe, well, maybe there was, but maybe just in the last week there hasn't been because she's been packing up and getting ready to come and whatever, making arrangements. And he's just grown in the past week or two. Okay. Well, Lee, we appreciate this question. This is uh, finally 
a relationship you, topic. You've never really grown a beard because you can't do the full. The I get too thing. itchy. No, it, it itches too much. I can't do Does it. it. And it, are you a patchy grower? No. Oh God, no. So you can grow a full. Oh, I could grow. I could grow a a full on beard in in no time flat. Do you have a picture? Well, I tried to take the you? one when I had the surgery, but you called it out and said it wasn't legit. Oh yeah, that wasn't legit. You need to go further than that. I can't, Dan. There's get get some sort of lotion or salve. I can't do it. All right. I feel like you need to do it at least once. I can't. Full I can't beard. do it. All right. I, I hope that helped, Lee. Lee, let us know what you do. Let us know how it goes. Yeah. All right. Let's send a picture of your face to the inbox. Yeah, we'll do that. We the won't post good. it anywhere. Yeah. No. Just because we're curious. Yeah. Fair enough. That's Thanks all I again. got. Si. Thanks again for writing in solidverbal at gmail.com. Also, the Facebook page is facebook.com slash solidverbal. So the plan is we're going to record in a few days and uh, give a deeper dive of the two big playoff games and also some of the other big New Year's Day bowl games and beyond. We will be in Dallas one more time on Radio Row talking to some of the media celebrities that we've talked to time and time again, and hopefully some new ones. We'll break down the championship game in a little more detail. That's coming up at the end of, I guess, next week. But in the interim, Daniel, you enjoy your time out in sunny Southern California. I'll talk to you in a few days. We'll preview those games. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, try not to eat too much while you're out there. I'm going to let's that's a stupid bit of advice, Ty. Yeah. That is a stupid bit of advice. I will do my best. I've been running, so I'm okay. For that guy over there, Mr. Dan Rubenstein, for myself, Ty Hildebrand here on the other side of the moon. Thanks again for tuning into the show. We'll catch you all in a few days. In the meantime, stay solid. Peace.